When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Imran. And I'm Ashwa. So yeah, three of us convening on Monday. We've had a couple of days to try and get over the absolute horrific defeat to Brentford on Saturday. Um, I was actually there, which made it even worse. Uh, I took my nephew for his first ever away game. He was so excited. But yeah, I don't think he'll ever want to go again. <laughs> uh, but no, actually not true. Like It was one of those days that because we were so awful and the match had already gone by like 30 minutes, the fans actually sang and sang the whole way through because, yeah, there's nothing else left to do at that point. Um, but yeah, you guys are watching at home and probably had a better view of all the horrendous defending than me. You know, even on the last podcast, we were pretty ranty. You were there, Oshwen. We were already in a pretty bad mood after the first game. Lack of transfers. So, yeah, I don't know where we're at now. I mean, we uh, was this kind of just expected or, you know, I guess it wasn't expected. It was much worse than it could be. But like, how are you feeling after that, Oshwen? Uh, I think it's just kind of like, um, it's not even acceptance. It's more just. At some point, you just can't expect anything different um, when you have the same... We have players that have been here for so long, and they've all been part of such mediocre teams. So at some point, the mediocrity is... It's inevitable. Uh, and we can, you know, we can say Ten Hag should have played a defensive midfield, or he shouldn't try to impose his tactics when the players don't suit his preferred style of play, and maybe there's some logic to that, but it, we already know even if you have some a manager that comes in who will be more, uh, I don't want to say pragmatic, but just more willing to adapt to the limitations of the players at his disposal, that even then the upside of the team is what? Like maybe you'll get Champions League spot if you're lucky. Um, and it's that's just the standard of the squad because of the talent at, the, at his disposal. And, um, you know, I think, forgetting that part of it like these they just need to refresh the squad so desperately because you can just tell so many of these players are mentally shot yeah i mean look there's only two weeks left now of the transfer window so we're definitely going to be having to persist persist with quite a lot of these players uh i mean how does that make you feel imran i mean like look we I'm sure we will still bring in a couple of players. We will get on to the transfers. But most of these players we're going to be with until Christmas at the very least. Well, I mean, 
you just kind of in a situation where you hope in two years' time, from two years from now, you'd hope that this is we have a completely different eleven, or very close to a completely different eleven. Pretty, pretty much, you've, you've. It's hard because, on the one hand, you think, well, you always just keep thinking if if X player hits form, then yeah. If X player hits form or X player does what we know he can do, then yeah. But it's getting so long now, and it's getting the same thing over and over again. It's just ugh, it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard to spot us at the moment. It's hard to back. It's hard to back the players. Yeah, it, look, we, I think we all had that kind of, you know, hope it was rather than expectation that maybe a fresh start for some of these players in the summer with a new manager would kind of bring a complete change. And, you know, we have said players like Maguire, Shaw, Rashford, they have performed well for us at certain points in the past. So that was the hope that new manager comes in, he can kind of refresh everything. You know, some players have left that maybe were causing trouble in the dressing room. But look, we're two games in, we're bottom of the league, and yeah, things are as bad as they really could be. I mean, this game was a weird one. Uh, it's not like we were actually completely outplayed in a way. We like literally handed this game to Brentford. We didn't I mean, hand it to them, but we weren't doing much ourselves, I would say. I, I, I actually thought we started relatively okay, like attacking-wise. Uh, we were playing some okay stuff, creating some openings. It's just our defence, which is an utter mess. Like, there's no confidence there. And like I said, the first two goals are just handed to them on a plate. I mean, if you look at XG, Brentford are only 1.39. It's actually less than Brighton last week against us. They've come out with four goals, but at the 1.39. But that's because, obviously, the first goal it should never be a goal, right? You know, 99 out of 100 times a Premier League goalkeeper saves that ball. That's, uh, that's a weird one, though, because the, less, the, ne- the next three goals, the finishes are actually quite simple. One's literally on the goal line from a header. The other two are very basic one-on-one, so I'm surprised the XG is so low. I think it's not always just on the finish. It's often like kind of from this position does a goal come it's not always purely on the finish i mean some of these xg stats have kind of progressed themselves over time in what exactly they're analyzing uh, as i say this one comes from understat.com they've got brentford at 1.39 they've got oz at 0.9 um i did think early on i was kind of thought after 10 minutes i said oh you look we look like we're playing some good stuff and then obviously it's... De Gea lets one in and it, and but th- that is the problem where you're saying the mentality the fight like you know sometimes a goalie does make a howler but you could see that he was affecting him and then obviously the second goal is all part of this that he's not recovered from it and he's just mentally not weak in, and the team are not mentally strong enough to say listen forget that there's one mess up there let's get on with it and get back into the game yeah, I mean, I, I just, I can't even talk about De Gea. He's just awful. Um, he should never play again, but he will. He will continue to play because Tom Heaton is our number two keeper right now. Um, I, I don't even know. The first goal is, it should not happen. It's terrible, but those things do happen, right? Like, you, it, it's, it, it happens sometimes. The second goal is so much worse to me because there's no excuse for that. He has a pass out to Maguire, very easy. He can make that pass. He has a further pass to Delo if he wants to, you know, really stretch his boundaries as a ball-playing uh, keeper. But, like, he has a very simple option. Instead, he gives it to Eriksen, who is man-marked, I mean, in bet- like, literally in the center of goal. It- it's just so, so bad. Uh, and I-, I don't even know really what to say. I... I- 
it's inexcusable. Um, he he was atrocious, and he's been largely atrocious to me for a long time. And you know, I don't think I don't. We cannot play whatever Ten Hag wants to do. We cannot do it with him as the keeper. That is, he he's not good really at anything anymore. Um, he doesn't command his box well. He doesn't communicate well, which I think is part of the reason why the defense is also disorganized. That's not to put that entirely on him because obviously Maguire and, you know, others need to take blame there as well. But like, um, and I think that's like such a massive problem. It's just like, and it just shows a lack of leadership, but like the, the effort, I mean, there was one instance in this, and I think it was the second half um, where Sancho lost the ball further up the pitch, which whatever. And, they Brighton move the ball forward, and you just see Sancho kind of like ambling back, and Brighton's fullback. I don't know, we know who it was on the left side. We played Brentford. Prefer. It's worth saying, Ashwin. Brentford. Oh yeah, sorry. Brentford was last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're all the same. Him. These B teams. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. But he, I forgot who. I don't even know who their their left back was. But he just made it an, an overlapping run, and he had so much space to cross the ball because. Delo had to tuck in to mark the winger, and Sancho just did not track back. And you watch that, and then you look at like us in a similar position, and you just have our fullbacks just like kind of slowly meandering forward, not really making aggressive overlapping runs, or not even making underlapping runs. They're just kind of walking into positions when we have the ball, and then then the tracking back from our wingers is like so much worse than what you see from a team like Brentford. And it's it's unacceptable. Like, I, I can understand, I can almost understand just being outplayed, but, like, when you don't even give the requisite effort and it's so obvious, it you don't, why should, I, I have no sympathy for that. And it's, like, as a fan, it's just, I don't know, I, I just found that game so disheartening yeah yeah look any kind of pre-season hope whatever is kind of gone now pretty quickly in this season uh and even though you know we all all three of us i know for sure maybe a couple of others were feeling a bit more optimistic but all three of us had lowish expectations kind of going into even before kicking a ball in the season but i'd say those expectations have even gone way further down from there but yeah oshwin i agree with that that one of the things for me is that Brighton didn't. Uh, I'm saying Brighton now as well. Brentford <laughs> didn't make any like amazing moves or anything there. Like the absolute giveaway. Two of them are like just give, pure giveaways from De Gea, like you say. The third one is a set piece, and the fourth one is just getting outrun on a counter, basically. And each time it just comes down to more fight, strength, speed. It's not about super skill. It's not about anybody's done a great play. And yeah, that's it. And you know, these stats, like you say, are coming out there about how Brighton had run. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Brighton for the rest of this show now, aren't I? But yeah, Brentford have <laughs> 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 run 13 kilometers further than us for the rest of the uh, match. And uh, obviously, yeah, the players were brought in for extra training yesterday, we hear. That's the way Ten Hag is dealing with this, saying, right, you're back in. There's no day off and you're all going to run 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 but uh, look we we hope that summer pre-season would bring like renewed energy a bit more fitness but we've been saying this kind of lack of fitness thing since Ole first turned up he was talking about it and you know it's like three years ago now where he said yeah the squad needs more fitness and they're extra extra training even Ranjik had kind of mentioned it and 
three different managers come through now and they're still talking about how our players are not up, not fit enough to run like others. I mean, Imran, that's for professional footballers by now. It's just completely unacceptable, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's just... But again, who's surprised? Like, we've been seeing this now for... feels like years. Um, even, in, even under Ole's best times, we never really were the running team. We were the... We were the we were the counter attacking team mm-hmm. at his best yeah, time, and so true. didn't even true. didn't even require us to do a lot of running in games. We never re- we've never re- been the team to outrun our opponents, but now it's just it's getting showed up now. And I mean, we had the reports, what like you said, the training where we Ten Hag's making us run thirteen point eight k's because that's what Brentford run. Obviously, he he won't want this. I I think it's it's fair to say through all this, I think most of our ire is aimed at the players. I mean, mm. Ten Hag's. I don't think has covered himself in glory so much, but it's only two games, and I'm not. I'm, I'm like we're all 100 percent behind him, and he's got a big job on his hand. Yeah, he could have made some different tactical decisions and whatever, but I think his hands are tied, especially with the squad that he has. Um, but yeah, the the fight and desire just hasn't been there. And it's weird, like you'd think a new manager, you'd have that bounce, and you'd think they'd want to impress mm. a new manager, but it doesn't even seem that these players want to impress him, or maybe they know their time's short, they're not long for this club. Maybe it doesn't help that Ronaldo's up front throwing a strop and, you know, he doesn't want to be here. But again, he's hands are tied. Who else is he going to play? We've got no other strikers. Basically, all he can do now is just throw the youngsters on. And then that's a note. you got the issue there of if the youngsters start getting whooped, that's not great for them either. So... Yeah, you're ruining their kind of mental state before they've even started. But yeah, look, we knew this squad was mentally kind of broken last season. And as I said, we hoped that a summer refresh new manager could bring back some confidence. But very quickly, they've gone back to where they were, uh, you know, complete collapse within, what was it, 35 minutes to be four down. I mean, I've been to hundreds of matches in my life i cannot remember being 35 minutes into a game and And it's game over were were you shocked i i kind of wasn't shocked i mean look when you sat there after one nil you say listen it's all right we can still get back into this game right it's one goalie mess up we can still get back in there at two nil you say all right, there's still time. We've still got a chance. But at 3-0, you go, well, the very best, and even it's not going to happen, is we might get a draw here. And as soon as it's 4-0, you're like, right, you know, some people are obviously going back down in uh, into the concourse because you can get beer there, whereas you can't drink beer in your seat in a Premier League match, in case any of our global audience don't know that. You're only allowed to drink beer inside the stadium, not while you're in your seat. So at 4-0, half of the away end went straight back in and said, right, we're going to get start drinking again till half <laughs> What was time. the general mood? the booze? What was the general mood like? Yeah, as soon way? as it got to three nil, four nil, there was a lot of "you're not fit to wear the shirt" chants, and you know all that kind of thing was straight off there. Uh, as I said, any particular quite a few players went... get most of the. Uh, no, there was not actually any particular players. It was just at the whole team in general, and like I say, the "you're not fit to wear the shirt" went all around. Uh, quite a few fans, like I said, went in to start drinking. Um, <laughs> And yeah, you know, that at that point, the game is over. There's nothing you're going to do from there. And nobody's blaming Ten Hag that much. Uh, we will, even, I said even going into the stadium, there was quite a negative atmosphere already. I remember just being on the bus, I heard there was a couple of United fans next to me. And he was like half joking. He said, listen, should we just forget it like, and go straight to the pub? Because we know like, we're not going to be seeing a good game today. And uh, why don't we save ourselves the pain? He was semi-saying it like tongue-in-cheek, but there was not 
uh, like any kind of positive field going into even the stadium. And like I said, I'd gone with my nephew who's been to a couple of kind of home games in the past. It was his first away game. And, you know, before match was saying, what's your prediction? And I was like, well, maybe we'll win one nil. And that's normally my way of saying, I'm not expecting much. The best might be that we sneak a one nil win. Um, and it's not, it wasn't like you say, it's not really down to the lineup. I mean, this was actually the lineup I was absolutely expecting. Um, I had said last week that if it was up to me, I think Martinez has been thrown in a bit too quickly and I'd probably go with Varane, but I was not expecting him to make that change. The lineup was exactly as I expected. The changes were Ericsson dropped into midfield, which I was happy with because we've all said we've got to try something else than McFred. And there was no other option than really Ronaldo it's... playing up front. So yeah, what else was there? There was nothing else you could really do. It's also a bit weird because, I and I know this is, we didn't even really get a chance to evaluate that lineup because De Gea, I mean, as soon as he gives a, he literally gave away two goals that have nothing to do yeah. with the lineup or, you know, whatever issues. Like, he, those two goals basically ended the match, right? Like, you could just see after, after the first one and especially after the second one, there was, I, there was no way we were coming back in that match. You could just, it was, it was done. Um, but that said, like, Shaw Shaw cannot play. He he cannot start this next match. I don't care that it's Liverpool. There's he 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 is not competing as far as I'm concerned. He is not competing during these matches. I don't know what is gone what's going on with him in possession either because for all of his issues like he's always been very tidy in possession if not even though the end product hasn't always been there. His first touch used to be one of our best yeah. first touches and, in the in our in our squad. Yeah, and and I he just looks. Quite frankly, he looks like he's not bothered. He doesn't look fit to me. Um, and Malasia came on, and you know, not that it was it, it. It's a high bar to clear, but he very clearly brought way more energy, application, endeavor in every facet of the game uh, than we saw from Shaw, and quite frankly, for most of the team, he didn't look. You know, he he's not weighed down by the failures of the past however many years, right? He's come in. He's not new. yet. Yeah, not give, yet. Give him not time. Yet. Give him time. But, but the point is, like, you need... Sometimes you just need a, a, a youthful exuberance in your team to, to really give you a kick in the ass. And it's... I, I don't know if that... I don't think that's... Like, trust me, I, I'm not of the opinion that if we just play Malasia now, we're going to start winning titles. But I just don't see what the reasoning could be mm. at this point to, to not play him over Shaw. And then you see somebody like Maguire. If you watch the, the third goal that they score on the counter, or that's the fourth one, sorry. You lose track after a while. But the fourth one, if you actually go back and watch it, we are we had a corner, I believe, or a set piece, whatever. So we have everybody in their half of the pitch. For kind of recycling, we put the ball in and they recover it in the box. You can see Maguire like Erickson is telling Maguire to drop. He's pointing at him to drop because their striker, I don't remember who it was. Uh, it might have been Tony, but I'm not sure if it was him at that point. But he's telling him to drop because that's the outlet ball, and there's only one man back, right? It's just Martinez. So if Maguire, does, if Maguire drops back, that goal never happens. But he doesn't. You can literally just watch Maguire kind of just stand there, and then the ball goes over his head, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I guess I'll get back now. And then, it, then you see Martinez has to go over to cut off that— to, to challenge, and then that leaves the middle wide open, and then you see uh, who scored was it M- M- Buomo? 
uh, he makes a run, and Shaw is ahead of him and has inside position. And I don't care. I don't think it was just he got outpaced. I don't think he he tried. He didn't compete. He didn't even use his body or physicality to try and knock him off. Uh, it's so poor. No, I think he is trying. I, he's I trying, so. but he's just too slow. I, he's just too slow. I, I That's I, it. Simple as that. I, he is trying. I don't think he's trying. I watched that goal like three times. And I refuse to believe that he should have gotten beaten. I think it's more just a case of heads dropping. I think once we're... Yeah, we're I don't believe that anybody's not trying. They're low on confidence. And he's not the fastest player either. Uh, but it's not about not trying. But yeah, they're just mentally, they're broken, basically. And what I would say, but I think Malassia will start now. Yeah, I feel like he didn't start this game because actually his cameo against Brighton, and I said the right team there, Brighton, <laughs> wasn't great. His cameo no, came he gave on. away like two free yeah, kicks like, within I a few Ten minutes, Hag didn't he? Like the, the stickler Ten Hag, I imagine he was quite pissed off, but he came on and just, yeah, basically gave stupid free kicks away and it helped basically them waste time, the basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, yeah, yeah but... and off the three signings, Malassia is the least experienced, you know. Yeah, he's not but... played like top-level football that much. He's had the odd game for the Dutch team. But yeah, he's young, he's learning, uh, you know, quite different to a couple of the other two. So yeah, I do understand why, why he's been kind of slowly bought in. Personally, I'd also have done the same with Martinez. I don't think he's ready mm. to be starting Premier League football games. I don't agree with all this stuff that he's too small, he well, can't play we, Premier we League. I just convers- think... We need to have this conversation now. Hello, let's have the conversation now. I mean, uh, I think that there is a good player there, but I just think throwing him at the deep end at the start of a Premier League season was wrong and that he should have just started with Maguire, with Varane, the experienced players who know what they're doing. Um, and that, you know, that also will kind of damage him. You know, he's pulled Debate, him out at half time. Debatable on know what they're doing, can I just say, but <laughs> I, get, I, get, I get your point. It's, um, it, would, it would be different too if Maguire and Shaw were in any type of form. Right, because then you yeah, could yeah, of course, that, that yeah. does not help yeah. Martinez at all, and yeah, De Gea, Maguire, Shaw, all failing, and he's not back coming there, into a settled so. back four. That is fair, but I'm going to sound like super old man here, but I just do not. I personally, and I might be wrong, and it's just my opinion. I don't see how you can be five foot eight, five foot nine, and a centre back in this league. I I can't see it. I've no, I've, I've no, I can't think of a off the top of my head of a good example. In the modern 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 Premier League of a play, of a centre back being that short and being dominant, I think he could be at a team like City, where you have all of the ball, so it doesn't really matter. You don't really have to defend that much. And even when City do defend, they're a bit ropey, but it's fine because they're so good going the other way that again it doesn't matter. But I just I just can't see it. And we obviously heard Thomas Frank say, yeah, they targeted like putting long balls down his channel because he. You know, they think they'd either win that ball or win the second ball. And obviously, so the, the counter-argument is, well, they didn't actually score from any of those things, which is true. They didn't, they didn't score directly from anything like that, and that's fine. But what it does do is it gives the opposition an easy out if we're trying to press them. Not that we do try to press them, but it gives them an easy out all the time. Just show it down that channel. And I think someone did some in-depth, I say in-depth, they looked at the Brighton game. And they looked at the balls down the channel because there's there's a bit like basically he's not he's either won one or zero aerial duels a season depending on what site you look at, which is ridiculous because obviously he's had to deal with quite a lot. And I think he found from that game that the balls where him and Welbeck were contesting directly, Welbeck was constantly being able to bring the ball down and bringing others into play or at least challenging, and the ball was sticking. So obviously it is a bit of a problem. Now I'm not saying that he won't grow into it or he can't grow into it or he can't do it, but the sheer fact is, for our current unsettled defence, it is a problem. 
Yeah, I think that that is the bigger problem. There's an unsettled defence, that they're not playing well. I mean, you know, he's an international defender and they've, they've put those stats out as well that in Holland... It wasn't only okay at winning headers. He actually had the best rate of winning headers. And that wasn't just in the Eredivisie. It was in the Champions League as well. Uh, he's got the best stats for winning headers in the whole like, Champions League of any defender last season. So I don't personally think that this is the major issue. And yeah, if he says we're targeting him, like you said, all right, the corner, he is outjumped by me. And but you know that well, can that, happen to other players as well. There. He yeah, slipped. exactly. He's not in the right position. The ball's in a kind of funny place. But none of the other goals are down to Lissandra Martinez. None of them. So I I think there's a I actually so I agree with you, Imran, that like with how the team is set up right now, it's it it just it's a it's a problem, right? But like so one of the major differences if you just watch us versus basically any team at this point. Um, when we play balls, if you play a long ball forward, right? Even if we if we lose the first the first challenge or whatever, or even if we win it, the other team has their midfielders close to the line, so they win the second ball. If you watch back our match, just this Brentford match, the gap between our midfield and the defensive line is so massive that they, we didn't win any second balls for that reason. And part of that is just not running hard, being outworked. But, and, and maybe that's a tactical thing that um, Ten Hag needs to fix or that the players need to take on board and understand. But like that, to me, is the bigger issue. And it also is related to the fact that we, again, do not have a defensive midfielder, right? Because if you have a defensive midfielder, theoretically, he should be winning the second ball or maybe even challenging for aerial duels, but we don't have that. And so it just, there's so many issues there that I think it's like, and I know you are not doing this, but I do find it very reductive to just be like, well, he's short and therefore this will be a problem and for will forever be a problem. Um, is it, I think it, it is a problem, but it's one that you can work around if you have the right personnel and system and, you know, approach in place. But right now we don't have that. So it is a problem. And um, you know, is that something that he should persist with? Maybe. I, I don't really have strong opinions on that at this point because how the hell can I have a strong opinion on it? I would prefer to honestly just see Martinez play and Maguire to just not and play Varane instead. I, I don't know, but it's just really, really, you know, it, it's like, it, it's again, it's he, this player who, you know, is new to the league, he's being put in a difficult situation in part because of the failures of our entire ability to recruit properly. And so I don't disagree with anything you said. I just don't know if it's actually as much of a problem in the long term as, as it might seem um, at the moment. No, I think long term, there could be a future here, whether it is a centre-back, who knows, but it could be. It's just we need to be a lot more settled mm-hmm. and not have so many other problems that bringing in a five-foot-nine centre-back brings you more problems and if we didn't have other problems we could like oh okay this is a bit of a problem but we can we can sit we can sort this out we're, we're, we're good Luke Shaw decide, has decided to actually turn up and win some headers so we're fine but we have so many problems that you're just introducing more problems and even for like okay yes for the third goal he doesn't contest the header very well he kind of slips and he kind of messes it up but even then I would say what I would say is if you're a if you're a six foot four center back right if you're Maguire whatever Heading the ball comes so naturally to you. You don't even have to think about it. You just leap and jump and you've done it. 
you'd have to think about Ben Me because you're just thinking, I'm, I'm massive, I'm going to head this, whatever. If you're a short man like me, you, are, you have to overthink it, I guess, or you have to at least consider things that you wouldn't if you're a tall person. That's just human nature. He has to consider more because he's shorter. Whether that he overthinks it and messes up, who knows? He did mess up a bit. It wasn't a fair challenge, whatever. I'm just, just trying to throw some psychological things in there that maybe affect his game, but I just I don't see how, especially now, we can be settling in him as our centre-back when we've got so many problems elsewhere and when we've got Varane sat on the bench. And that brings me to another point, which we'll talk about later. I don't know why we spent £50 million on a defender when we had so many more glaring issues in our team. Yeah, we'll take a quick break there. We'll come back, finish off talking about the match and then, yeah, start talking about transfers and what's going on in the window. Uh, See you on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back. Uh, Unfortunately, we do still have to talk a little bit more about the Brentford game. But yeah, we will get more into transfers in a minute. Uh, I said, look, this match, I was there. You would not complain uh, if any fans decided to leave this match early. I said a lot went down for an early halftime beer. But actually, everybody was back out at halftime and the atmosphere was actually really good. Uh, You know, it's happened before. I've been before a couple of times when games have gone very badly and the fans often just say, right, we're just going to get into uh, singing louder because what else can we do at this point? There's no hope left for the match. We're not even watching it and we'll just get on with that. Uh, so actually, the atmosphere was great. The fans just started, pretty much turned their back on the match. There was a lot of anti-Glazer stuff as well at halftime. Quite a few banners going up, quite a few anti, uh, anti-Glazer sentiment. But then, yeah, just generally, like I said, the fans decided we're just going to out-sing the Brentford fans, even if they're winning. And I think the Brentford lot were pretty surprised at how loud our fans are and pretty much didn't stop singing for the entire second half. Was that your so first end, away game? For, when was your last away game? Uh, I didn't go any last season. So then we're going back towards pre-COVID. And I, I'm trying to think when exactly my last away game was. I do remember going when we lost to West Ham away uh, in kind of all late days when it was the first kind of signs of not doing too well under him. So it could have been that. And then, yeah, that wasn't a good day either. And those were the more days where everybody was more depressed because you're kind of still in the game. You know, they're the ones that are worse, where you still got hope. You're still in the game. So you're watching it, hoping, hoping. Whereas here, everybody's like, listen, we're not even watching this match anymore. There's no point to it. We're just going to sing mm. and have a good time because there's nothing else really left to do. And it definitely yeah, feels it, like it's more apathy and anger now than it has in previous times. Like I said, yeah. no one's no one's surprised that we're losing 4-0 to, to Brentford. 
That's what I say. It's like they always say, it's the hope that kills you. Now, because there's no hope, everybody just says, listen, forget it. Let's not even watch the match. We're just going to sing uh, and have a good time. And any, if anybody's following our Twitter, I did put out one quick video of some of the songs going. And of course, uh, Red Flag Flying High, Man United Never Die is one of the big ones that come out in the bad times over there. But yeah, there's plenty of other songs going, including the anti-Glazer stuff there. Um, I mean, I do think we should just quickly talk about Ten Hag. As I say, we're, most fans... I say understand that he's been given a completely like horrendous start to his job here. Uh, you know, there was a bitter kind of positivity at the start of preseason with a couple of good results, like one or two signings. Although, you know, I was already saying when the squad went on tour that it's pretty ridiculous that there's only one new player going on tour when we've lost like seven or eight players. Even at that time, I was saying, look, you know what's going on here. But then, yeah, look, Martinez did come in. Ericsson did come in. But yeah, we all said before the season started that three new players is nowhere near enough. So we can blame mostly on the board, a lot on these players. I do still think there's a couple of things, though, that Ten Hag could have done differently. I'm not trying to throw him under a bus and not saying that, you know, I've doubts about him or anything but it is worth mentioning I mean one of these things that I just absolutely do not understand the point in is where we have these kind of six yard goal kicks where a defender passes it to De Gea like I cannot understand what the point in that is at all like of course for the start we know that our goalie is not good at distribution or passing but even if they are I still do not understand what advantage you gain from having three defender two defenders and a goalie stood around their 6 yard box and passing to each other I mean Brentford immediately had two players on the edge of our 18-yard box who were just absolutely ready to bomb straight forward at whoever was there. And before we even conceded, there was twice where Maguire slightly dwelled on the ball and got kind of blocked or whatever in the corner. So there was already signs of this kind of high immediate press from them. And for me, I just don't get it. And obviously, Ten Hag abandoned it by like, what, halfway through mm. the kind of first half. He, he, he just abandoned it but completely. He, I mean, he did say, he said on his on the first half that he wanted, like he wants his players to be smart and not just like, if, if it calls to boot it, boot it. And and he also specifically mentioned this, that he, he mentioned that, I think, and I don't know if this is 100% true or not. I think what he, he wanted them to come forward because he wanted De Gea then to go long. That was like, he's, he specifically mentioned, I wanted us to play more directly, is what he said, I think. Um, and so I think he was comfortable inviting the pressure, and the expectation was then, okay, now this creates space in behind. De Gea can go long. Yeah, absolutely. And instead of that, De Gea, you know, does whatever he did. And um, yeah, like, I, look, I just think it just shows that... I, I bet that in training, a lot of this stuff comes off. But when these guys get in real matches now at this point, they are so fragile. They're so fragile. Like you said, even against even in the first match against Brighton and against Brentford, right? The first five, ten minutes, we seem fine. We we seem okay. But as soon as one thing goes against us or we don't capitalize on an opportunity, um, it it, it just completely collapses. I mean, I think again in this match, there was an opportunity where I wanna say Sancho left it for he laid it off to Bruno on the edge of the box, pretty open shot, and he skied it, you know? like Yeah, and again, very similar to the Brighton game. Bruno missed when, when you have to hit the target. You he's just snatching at everything at the, the moment, target. Bruno, though. It feels like he's just snatching at everything. Everything is just a... 
yeah, it's not. It's not, obviously he's out of form. Everyone's horribly out of form, but he really just feel like he's just snatching at things. It just it feels like they're all like him at all. it feels like they're all w- playing with the weight of the world on their shoulders, which I do understand. But you're also like you're not the first set of players to ever be in a slump. You know what I mean? Like you have to figure out how to get out of it. And even when you're slumping, there are things you can do to help your team win, right? And working hard is the bare minimum. I mean, I remember. What was it that one season where Rooney couldn't score for like the entire first half of the year? I think 2010-11. And like even during that time, I don't think you would have ever watched him and been like, well, he's not giving the, the, the necessary level of effort, right? It's like that is the bare minimum. And I just I can't get over that because I just think it's so it's it's like honestly insulting to me as a fan because you know that's the one thing that is not about systems and tactics and anything or, or confidence, right? It's just about, do you give enough of a shit to do it? Um, and right now the answer across the board for the most part is, is no, they don't. And that's really frustrating. Is in, the, the transfer stuff is, it, it doesn't feel like we had a very cohesive strategy or not, I don't even know if that's, it doesn't feel like we prioritize things in an appropriate order. Where it's like, again, we talked about this in the last pod, so I don't want to belabor this point, but if you were ranking like what were the needs of coming into this transfer window, even if, I think like all of us would have said center back to some degree is a need, but it is not anywhere near the top of the list. And so for us to go for Martinez is a bit puzzling, although I understand it, if that's just somebody he feels he needs to have to implement his style of play. Um, but like, Going for him shouldn't preclude already having two midfielders in, right? Like, Erickson on a free is nice, but you should already have, like, if they want Rabio, why did we have to wait until losing to Brighton on the first match to even be linked to Rabio, right? Like, it just, everything comes across, even if this is not true, everything, the perception of everything United has done right now seems extremely reactive instead of proactive. So, that's really frustrating for me, um, and it's frustrating because we've been saying for like two years we need to get in a midfielder. We need to get in a midfielder. We need. But yeah, to be fair, listen, he knows he needs a midfielder. He chose Frankie de Jong. He know we know that is it has been his priority. It was his number one priority. There was a fee agreed more than a month ago, so he knows that it's not new. The only different thing they could have done was once it was obvious that this deal is not going to begin quickly. It's not going to be done easily. At what point do you move on and say, listen, that deal is not happening. We need to go for the next deal. And they've waited till the season started. And that is the issue. And now the big problem is, you know, there's obviously stories out there saying Frankie de Jong is not sure about this move. I'm sure after he's watched us lose two games horrifically and that we're bottom of the league and we're already saying it's pretty unlikely we're going to finish top four. If he was unsure about it before, that's definitely not going to help the situation, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's just... I. And I get your. I think the Frankie thing is part, definitely on Ten Hag to a certain point. It's just like he wants he now he wants Rabio and and um, De Young, right? So like, if you always knew you wanted two like midfielders, then you could have done the Rabio thing so much earlier, right? It's just that part is frustrating. And then I think if De Young had come in 
he might have waited to see how the midfielders go before yeah, definitely going for that's Rabiot. Fair. But because De Jong has not happened, and we're not sure if it will happen, because yeah, I say yeah. we're more or less two weeks slightly over left, they go, listen, we're going to have to get somebody in. And that's the problem. At this point, we now get to panic stations. After you've lost two games of the season, after you know there's a gaping hole in the midfield, it's now panic stations time. And this is the problem that we hoped we had a new regime. We had got rid of Woodward, they've got rid of the scouting team, got rid of Matt Judge. We hoped it was going to be a fresh new start, but really it's exactly the same as it's ever been. That we waste half the summer on whether it's Sancho, whether it's somebody else, and we get to the last couple of weeks and start seeing who we can now sign after a lot of, you know, decent midfielders who you might have got in the 25, 30 million range, whether it's, I don't know, Basuma or a couple of others have moved on, have all now not, are not options. You now see what's left to go for. And, you know, in the past, whether it's been last minute signings of Cavani or even going back further, you know, Falcao's and stuff like that. Now, I guess this season's even, equivalent is Rabio. Even Ronaldo last year was a bit of a kind of rushed thing, right? It was like, oh my God, yeah, City is going for him. We have to get him. Definitely. Um, and, and now, definitely. It's, it's, like, always, it's always haphazard. It's always, I mean, we thought we were going to get differences now that Woodward has is, is gone. But, same shit, different day, you know? That's, that's just... Yeah, that and I think that maybe... I don't know if we can now say maybe it wasn't down to Woodward. Maybe the problem, of course, as we know, is that above him is Joel Glazer, Avram Glazer, and that ultimately all the decision-making goes down to them. I mean, the way I understood it years ago was that, for example, in Fergie days... Malcolm Glazer didn't get involved in any of this stuff. He didn't even know the names of the players. He didn't know how. He just said, listen, this is how much money you have for the transfer window. You do what the hell you want. Whereas now, there still needs to be a sign off from Joel Glazer on every transfer. I think he's probably the type of guy who's micromanaging. He thinks he's playing football manager. He's negotiating over five million here and there. And I think that's the way it goes. You know, we've heard about complaints about the time difference that probably Arnold has got some information. He's then have to send it to him. He then has to come back to him. And yeah, that's why everything is just takes too long. And he probably thinks he's a much cleverer negotiator and I can wait till the end of the window when we'll get a better deal. And, you know, you might save five million by waiting that. But yeah, by now we've already lost three games of the season and the player's confidence is shot. So yeah, was it worth saving five, 10 million? No, not at all. Uh, and that is the biggest issue that we're not seeing anything changing. It's the same as we've seen before. They, they're not. It's the, the it, ultimately we yeah we we've talked about everything right like the players and all these issues. But like it all comes back to the Glazers. All of this stuff is this is like the end game. This is the sum total of their decade of or longer than that now. Um, but it, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's it's what seventeen years, eighteen years. Uh, but it's this is like the sum total of all of the neglect um, that they have kind of engendered, and and they've they've pushed on the team, and um, you know like they don't care. This this is not they, like the the idea. And yes, they have spent money, but they've spent money that the club generates. It's it's not like That's they're the thing, putting they've, money. They've in. always spent money. They've always spent money. But then this year, they've always spent money on the team, right? But not money anywhere else. So forget investing right. in Carrington or the stadium yeah. or training, whatever. They barely wanted a women's team until pressure. But anyway, they they don't spend, but they have spent money on the team. We've all said like they they put generally put money into transfers. But then this season, 150 million it seems, and that's it. Um, 
If, yeah, if, no, if, I made that point. That that. I do wonder whether this is whether the Glazers are even now sat and said, well, you know what? We've spent billions on this team and they're still rubbish. So let's just forget about it. Well, Why yeah. even bother? And then the rest I, I do wonder through. if they start having that kind of thought now, saying, look, we spent and spent and spent. It hasn't worked out. Why just keep spending? And whether they're actually now even tightening the purse strings. Uh, I mean, look, there's huge space in our wage bill. Those players have gone out. We're huge, huge mm. like wages for Pogba, it must be like 50, uh, million, Cavani. 50 million for the year at least. Yeah. Exactly. Massive. And all right, I know after COVID times that maybe we haven't got huge, huge cash reserves, but there is still money in the bank. Well, and as Spurs I say, and, for the, on... Spurs and Arsenal are spending 130 million, and, I think, they spent this summer. Yeah. Well, they, and they, yeah. they took out those, what is it, like the Bank of England allowed them to take very low interest loans to give them cash reserves to hold over it. Like yeah. yeah, there we, is like an extra and, overdraft and, and facility, and like COVID yeah, kind of loans. And we didn't take advantage of that. Um, and like, I, I don't know, it just... You, if you even go back, there's just so many times where I wonder, like, the money part of it is just so, it's it's clearly an issue. Uh, and, and, you know, we were told last January, right? Oh, we didn't bring anybody in during that window, but that was because we wanted to give the new manager, whoever it was, the new permanent manager in the summer, as much of a transfer budget as he could have. You know, the biggest transfer budget possible. And, yes, like, I do understand that there's this weird thing going on where, we have a fee agreed for Frankie de Young, but then there's this entire thing with his wages and whatever. So, like, technically, we have committed to spending more than we've spent, but it's still not enough. And and even within that, like, they have not, they've passed up the opportunity to sign players at a cheaper price um, that could help the squad, you know? Like, who's that, that player on Villa, Bubukar Kamara? He was on a free. He would help our midfield right now. He can easily come in and be an improvement in midfield. That that anyone would though. Yeah. That's that maybe anyone and, would. Right. Anyone and that's, would. And that's my so. point. That's why like I don't think even if they have a budget of 150 million, all this shows is that they are so clueless in recruitment that all they will do is chase the targets that Ten Hag himself puts out there instead of showing any type of, you know, trust in their scouting. And all these things that we've been told well, we, they've we've invested in. We've redone all our scouting, haven't we? We, we don't even have scouts, right. as far as I'm aware, anymore. No, but yeah, look, I think that is something that Ten Hag has decided. And I said on the show before that that is then up to him. Like I say, if he wants to take that responsibility, he then cannot complain about it. It's, it is pretty clear that Eric Ten Hag has said, I'm not interested in what these scouts have been working on for years and years. I, these are the players I want. So then why so, do yeah, but then, but that's then, on him. Then, so, but then, to my point, then you shouldn't hire him. Like, I think it's very simple. You cannot empower a manager in the way football is now. He, like, it cannot be how it was with Sir Alex Ferguson, right? Like, it cannot be the same thing where he just runs but the... what we had before, though, wasn't working either, right? Before, we've had a whole transfer committee and they've come up with the players and the managers hire have, like, people. approved them. Hire people in that position that are the best at that job. Like, Rangnick for all that is a that is a fair comment. Even like when we look at like you know there has been a change within the club getting rid of Woodward, but the people have come in. They're just internal hires. 
John Murtor yeah. was already at the club. Richard Arnold was already at the club. Whereas, yeah, I think we were all hoping for bringing in the best in class from outside, whoever's done the best job at the next level. And, you know, when Ranjit came in, there was some kind of hope around that, that, yeah, he's somebody, you know, has not been the top, top clubs. He's done a damn good job at your Leipzigs and all that. But, yeah, he was only around for six months and seems that whatever advice he gave has been thrown in the bin already anyway. And we kind of start from square one. I mean, partly... I I do feel that this is a lot down to Eric Ten Hag and what he wanted. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure about it, but it's all the messages I've got about it. I also think that Ralph Ranić's consultancy was stopped on Eric Ten Hag's say. Yeah, they apparently they have very different approaches to things, and that kind of makes sense. Like, you don't want your your, your direct uh, football or whatever to be diametrically opposed to your actual manager, then you're already at a losing start. We do need to get in someone who works within Ten Hag's bit. And we've done it the wrong way around, but we have a manager now, up and coming promising manager who could take us places. So we kinda need to set, get someone a structure above him that will work. But we can't allow him also to just find all his own targets. Otherwise we'll be Dutch FC in a, after a while. Um and like I said, I'm I cannot understand why we spend fifty million on a centre back when we've got like seven centre backs and no midfield. Mm. But on the other hand, I do understand Ten Hag wanting someone, one of his people in the dressing room, almost especially in our dressing room that's full of leaks and mangy bastards or whatever. So having your own player in there does make sense. All of it kind of makes sense. The problem is it's not joined up. I thought when we were buying Martinez, I thought then, oh that's cool. Now we're just going to go buy this midfielder and that midfielder as well, and then. It's fine, even though we bought Martinez fairly on in the window, but whatever. I thought we'd still be... But, it's, I mean, yeah, we are going to hopefully end up with two midfields. It looks like Rabiot's going to be one, and if we don't get De Jong, we'll probably get another, I think. It's hard to know, that's the thing. I don't think anyone could really predict what our squad is going to look like come the end of the month. No one's got a clue. Hmm. Not even no, any, yeah, I don't, it's I don't been like that so many knows, times to be before. honest with you. Has a, has a single clue. And- As I say, we're in that panic by part of the transfer window where we always seem to do all of our shopping. Everything yeah. comes more expensive. People can demand more wages now that they've seen us get dicked twice. The clubs can demand more money now that we're doing it at the last minute. It all just ramps up the costs and it just it, it just doesn't make sense. It's just it's so poor. Um, we should have had a settled squad for the opening. T- I, I get, if you can't get one, like this De Jong thing, fair enough. You can't get that over the line because but of... Rabiot could we, have been done weeks ago if they really wanted him. So yeah. long ago. Or buying a third keeper could have been done long, so long ago. All of this could have been long ago. Right back. Um, apparently we want to sell James Garner. Why are we doing that today? Why are we not doing that at the beginning of the window? Why are we not saying... I've been saying... I said this. Yeah, the Garner thing actually that's annoys me because yeah, I think that is a player. Me. We should have sold him ages ago. We should have sold him as soon I know, as he got no. it's, it's, it 15 million, me. get him sold, put a buy back in. If he does well, get him back. That's it's how it, it works. It, it doesn't concern me that, we're, that that is like we would decide to sell him. It concerns me because I think it speaks to he has to raise funds to get the... Yeah. To, to to bring in players he wants. And that is about ownership, right? Because they have sucked so much money into this club and never put anything in. And this is a time, if anything, if there's ever a time, this would be a time for them to just inject some money into the club to help the new manager get players in and refresh the squad and rebuild the squad. And instead, he's having to make a choice. Like, I don't know if he actually wants to sell Garner, right? But he probably is like, okay, he's the best player I can sell that I can get actual money for that I don't Mm. 
truly believe is going to help me win games this year. Mm. Um, and that's just concerning to me because it, it raises a whole other set of issues with the club. But yeah, I agree. Like, I don't, if, if we sell him and we put a buyback clause in, that's fine. I don't care about that. That That's Should exactly what we Henderson. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I would not sell James Garner. I think that he should have a shot, that he's done well enough on loan. He always plays a shot, though, and they never work out. What is the point? Then they're worth nothing. Twanzebi, let's give him a shot. Now he's worth nothing. Get him, yeah, no, get but him the, problem the, with like the, the problem with Tuan Zebi is that, for one, I don't even think he was given a shot well, true, but... at the right time when he should have been. Um, but then when you send them out on loan once, twice, and they've not done anything on loan, that's the difference. Yeah. Whereas James so... Garner has just had a brilliant loan. That's that is the time it. you bring a player back in to have a shot at being a first-team player. And especially when, number one, he is a number six, right? Mm. Number two, he's just had a damn good season. He's broken into the England under-21 team. I mean, and we're seeing that Fred and McTominay are struggling. Uh, you know, in the first match, they both played. He took one of them out. In the second match, he starts with one, takes one out at halftime, brings the other one in. And, you know, still no kind of improvement really there. I mean, listen, just give him a shot. The only problem now, and, you know, we will get on to this, even though I don't particularly want to talk about it, is that our next match is Liverpool uh, at home. So, yeah, it's not really the time to start throwing the kids in because you might mentally scar them for the rest of their career. <laughs> So, but, but uh, I think the advantage, though, of what Imran is saying, if if you sell him and put a buyback clause in, is the team that buys him, like, when you send somebody on loan, that team isn't necessarily motivated to make sure that player gets game time and develops, right? If that player, they feel, can help them immediately produce results, then they'll play them. But they're not just going to give them game time to develop them uh, for another club. If you sell him to that team, and put a buyback clause in, that team is motivated to play him because now he's an investment for them. Uh, and, you know, basically you allow him to develop on another club's dime. And then if he does become good, you can bring him back. If he doesn't, who cares? You just, you sold the player for a profit. Uh, so I think like that, that is the value of doing, I mean, that's what Chelsea has done effectively pretty, pretty well. City do it, Liverpool yeah. do it. They all do yeah. it. Yeah, it's 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 just a more productive way of, and you know what it also does? It also just juices your finances in the short term uh, and gives you an opportunity to. And to like bring I always say, the, the number of youngsters that actually make it at this club is so minimal that you might as well get money for them because it's more than likely that they're not going to make it. I mean, Ghana. I, like I watched him quite a bit last year. I think he's a decent player. Do I think he's good enough? I think he's definitely good enough to play in the Premiership. Whether that's at United, I'm not sure. I do agree with you, Nick. He's probably better than McTominay, and we could probably definitely deserve to start over him. But at the same time, when you're looking at getting the maximum amount of money for players now, and ultimately, we shouldn't be playing McTominay or Gannon. We should be having new midfielders in who are doing that job anyway, which I think we probably will do with Rabiot and X other, De Jong, other person. So Yeah, but I mean, as well, ahead of Garner, there's Williams, Tuanzebe, Bailly, they need to go. Wan Bissaka. These are players go. that we should be like selling, bringing in some cash for, and you know they're all completely surplus. Around. I mean, I see as well today, mm. Ethan Laird is confirmed on a season-long loan at QPR. 
I personally would have preferred that he was our reserve right back and sell one Bissaka. But maybe the problem is, is that we have put these players out in the market and nobody wants them or they definitely don't want them at the kind of wages we've put them all on. And then that's why we can't shift all these players all the time. Uh, you know, that is a constant issue for us. Why we can't. But at some point, you just have to cut your losses. You know, you see Chelsea, they bought in Timo Werner. One year later, they said, fine, leave. We'll lose half our money. Just, yeah, we'll do it. Whereas we often hold on to these players, say, give them another year. Let's see if it works out. And then, yeah, by the time it, we've realised it's not working out, they're in like the last year of their contracts and leaving for nothing anyway. Um, we're going to take another quick break and we will come back and preview the next game. Uh, see you after that break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so we're looking forward to the next game, Monday night. Liverpool coming to Old Trafford. Uh, there has actually been some stuff going around Twitter saying empty Old Trafford. And I will want to say on this podcast that Old Trafford will not be empty next Monday. In fact, it will be full. There might be a few people who decide not to go to this match. And if that's what you decide, fair play to you. But there will be very few. There is no major fan organisation, not Must, not the 1958, not TRA, who've called for a boycott of this game. It's just a Twitter hashtag. So if you're at home and you're thinking about, should I go to this game or should I not, go to the game. There will be a pre-match protest. Join that protest. I think there might even be things that get organised for happening within the match over there. So look out for those kind of details. I think 1958 are pushing a lot of this stuff at the moment. So yeah, see what they're talking about. But there will not be a boycott. There will not be an empty stadium. So if anybody is expecting that, it's, you're going to be disappointed. My issue with empty stadiums is it's just it's so unrealistic. It's so unrealistic to get... 70,000 people have paid money for a, a ticket to, to then lose that money. And it's easier to say when you're not going to the game. Exactly. But it's harder when you've actually spent the money and you're going to the game. What is actually an easier, what, what would be a better thing to do? I think some Spanish club did this. You just get everyone to stay silent for the first 10 minutes of the game, regardless of what happens. There is lots you can do. Like, like, or you know, even financially. Like concourse or whatever. But I think there was a team, I can't remember, someone's going to tell us afterwards, but there was a team who stayed totally silent for like 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, the place just erupted. And it was actually, it was actually pretty cool. But, um, there is a lot of things like that. You know, and if it's about publicity, you can stay silent. Like you say, maybe you're in the concourse, come out after 10 minutes. I've seen other things. I think Charlton Athletic, who actually, where I'm living at the threw moment. tennis balls in there, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They threw a whole barrage of tennis balls onto the pitch and the match was kind of stopped for a few minutes. And these kind of things will get you as much publicity without trying to organise a boycott that is it's impossible. Just, yeah, it's so Our fan base... 
yeah, our fan base is too big. It's too disparate. There's too many different opinions. You know, there's, there's people in our fan base who are not interested. They just want to go and see the team. There's probably some who even think the Glazers are all right. A small, tiny, tiny minority, but there'll be a few in there. And even these kind of messages about boycotts, the message doesn't go out that well. You know, people think, oh, this going all around Twitter, it's big. But it's not. Not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody knows about these things. So there is no chance whatsoever for us ever to have an empty stadium. The most we could ever possibly achieve is probably like one small area. Like I'm sure if the Red Army told all their lot that, listen, we're not going in for this game, it's actually achievable. But theirs is like, I think, maybe 4,000 fans in one corner or something like that. That is the very most that you could ever happen. And what does it achieve? The tickets have already been paid for. There is no financial hit to the owners it's only can be about publicity and there's totally other ways of dealing with that um so look like i say once we get that out of the way we unfortunately do actually have to talk about the fact that we're playing liverpool we're at our lowest lowest ebb i don't think we would ever have played liverpool in our histories when we were bottom of the league i don't know somebody might go and look at the history books and remind me about 1970 something or another or something like that when we got relegated it's possible but yeah we're going to be playing liverpool uh, and although yeah we've not seen how their second game has gone they actually didn't have a great start to the season 1-1 we're recording this like i said monday and they've not played yet. So, yeah, maybe maybe if things go well, we'll only be one point behind Liverpool when this match comes Bottom around. Bottom table scrap. That's, that's what we've been <laughs> yeah. hoping for. After that's the most batter them tonight. Yeah, no. let's hope for that. That'll be like the great the greatest outcome that we're, we're just behind it's, them. Listen, um, I, haven't, I haven't seen us win at Old Trafford since the West Ham game when we scored in the last minute, mainly because the four games I haven't been to this season were the four games we won. I am going to the Liverpool game, so we are not winning that game. Uh, guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, look, now, yeah, again, let's talk about Ten Hag. He obviously has his style and he wants the players to play his style. We saw Ranjit come in and do this and within a month he abandoned it when he realised these players cannot do what I want. So my option is just to go pragmatic. Do we think Ten Hag is going to stick to his guns and see if these players can do what he wants? Or do you think... He has all the power now. Ranjit had zero power. He He probably had less power than anyone ever has because it was announced that he was going to be in and we all knew he was definitely going to leave. He had zero power. Right, uh, Ten Hag has an actual, is an actual manager, has an actual contract with years on it. He has a remit. Um, he has power of signings. We know that he has power of signings at the moment. Um, we know we're going to bring players in. So he will stick with his system. And if you don't like his system, you've got to get out. And I think we're going to see it. Honestly, I think we'll keep playing it until these players either get it through their thick heads or they're out of the team. Um, and they've they've got to improve, and that's I mean that's ultimately why we wanted new bodies this season because we wanted new bodies to challenge these players. Like none, of, ha, I mean Ronaldo is he under threat his position? No, he's the only striker we have. Sancho and Rashford, no one behind, no one behind them. Our, our next winger is Ilanga after them. I mean that is crazy when your next winger for right and left wing is Ilanga after Rashford and Sancho. It's like um, Alenga and Garnacho, right? Who's yeah, I mean that is, I mean that's <laughs> wild. It is wild that there are second, there are backup wingers, um, and both them two are just. I mean, Rashford obviously gets a lot of stick, but my God, Sancho is terrible. Sancho is a terrible, terrible. Yeah, I think he's actually been quite lucky to he avoid is so lucky a to lot of flag. Like, he has not seemingly been, like good at all. He's like, there's, there's, it's, it's all of them, but um, yeah, it's all. There's, 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 there's,
at some point you need to show a bit more determination than he's shown. Um, so that that's for sure. Yeah, you know, Marcus Rashford has done very well for this club in the past. At this point, Jadon Sancho has never shown anything and, for and us. I, yeah. And we're more than a season in now. I think the, the, the thing for me about the Liverpool match is I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, well, all I'm hoping for is for to get a reaction. To get a, we have not seen a reaction from these players in over a year and a half now. You know, like, it's kind of crazy to think that this is the same team. And I know that there was no fans in the stadiums, but, like, went an entire season unbeaten on the road. And how many comebacks do they have that year, right? It's just, yeah. it's crazy to me yeah. that it's the same team because there's no, there's just none of that. It, it's, and I don't think that's just about, oh my God, fans are back. And now they, like, these are professional football players who've done this, you know, throughout their, they've played in front of thousands and thousands of people many times in their careers. So I don't think it's just about that. I, I it's just a complete, drop in mentality and commitment and it's just i i i'm really honestly not i am terrified of what could happen um against liverpool because i don't have any faith that they will have a reaction because they haven't shown it in god knows how long i can see him going quite defensive in a way i don't know if he ten high doesn't play five at the back and i think a lot of people are calling for five at the back with varan martinez and maguire but he does it's not something that he normally does but i can see varan coming back in at the very least um he needs he to actually yeah. looked all right when he came yeah, he on. he has to play i think he i think he's our best center back ultimately i think yeah. i think yeah i think and because he's playing i think malassia can therefore play because um he's got we don't have the height issue that we're getting into i'm starting to sound like such a heightist today yeah. um <laughs> So and then and then but then what Fred McTominay again? Does Van der Beek come in for a a shock start? I mean Bruno has no, to No, I think he sticks I mean, with Ericsson in if, midfield. If, like if, if I, Rabio, even though the Brentford match went badly, Rabio I do not think start. there's no way we can no, get Rabio and I don't get him starting. I don't know. I mean, he might. He's. I don't think he might. I guess he has been playing for Juventus, so it's not like he's completely unfit. And, but and his comments after the match. I mean, he was he was he he said everything you could possibly say short of the players I have are shit. Uh, he, said, he said something like, we I need... I mean, he should have just said that. Yeah, he should have. But he, he said something like, we need more... We need to add quality. We need to get players. Like, he, he basically was just saying, like, I, I can't do anything with this set of players. Um, so I, I do think if... Like, if Rabio was announced tomorrow, I kind of think he would start. I really do. But the thing is, well, I mean, there's something today about Rabio. Looks like it's nearly done, but I mean, it's, who knows with us? Could take another year. Um, we have to, <laughs> yeah, we have to, we have to call America. They have yeah. to call us back. We have the, to, the difference. Uh, the difference talk, in talk. time is too much as we're experiencing. It's amazing right we can now. even talk to you, Ashwin. To be honest with you, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true, Ashwin. We don't have a difference in time, right? We make this incredible, work. Incredible, but yeah, how do these guys out. struggling? <laughs> I mean, maybe they should hire us, but um, it's probably it's because we're all billionaires, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's just, it's just it's just it's it's baffling how how we we are run, but but yeah, I don't I don't see us having anyone new in before the game just because I'm pessimistic. Um, I don't see us being able to. I mean, it would be. I mean, just throwing in Ghana. I would might even be a if we nice. don't. All right, say we don't have anyone new. I would still. I would not start with Freddie McTominay. No, I would stick with Ericsson. Whether it's McTominay, whether it's Fred, it's like roller dice, like, <laughs> you know, dice. you see, <laughs> yeah, you know, flip a coin, you know, one of them is better at this, one of them is better at that, they're well, both going to be poor at passing, we know that. I think the, the actual, the actual thing I'm very interested to see is Martial's back in training now, 
I'm very interested to see All if right. he starts yeah. Ronaldo or not because I there's been a lot of reports now coming out since that match the last couple of days that you know they are concerned Ronaldo's behavior hasn't been great in training and apparently mm. there was mm. there was a report today in the Athletic from uh, Laurie Whitwell that Ronaldo is actually kind of openly argued against the type of high press that Ten Hag is trying to implement, um, which I think is like I can. I can almost understand, and not not sympathize, but I can understand Ronaldo doing whatever he wants to do in terms of just like trying to get his way out of the club to go to a Champions League team. That is like, I, I, that I think is really unacceptable if it's true, um, because you're just undermining the entire club at that point. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I'd be very interested. I'm very interested to see if he starts Ronaldo or not. And if he doesn't start Ronaldo, I will be very excited for the thousands of articles we'll read after that. Did, I, I have a stri- did Ronaldo start either of the games against Liverpool last year? He definitely didn't start at Anfield. I can't even remember if he started. He started, he started the one at, at mm. Old Trafford, yeah. Did he start the one at yeah. Old Trafford? But yeah, I, I mean, I could... You have to wonder at some point, Ronaldo... What, if, the thing is, there's so many reports... I said this, I, I joked about this on our group. Like, there's so many reports coming about it. You can literally create a, an auto-generator for United. The tweet would be... <laughs> Someone like insert X, X would be Ten Hag, higher ups, Murta, whatever, is unhappy with insert Y, Shaw, Ronaldo, <laughs> pressing, tackling. It could be anything, literally. And you could tweet that and it would be, yeah, that's probably true. That is probably true. <laughs> Eric Ten Hag is upset with Marcus Rashford's chef. I mean, yeah, probably. So, like, it's. I mean, we should do it, Nick. Why aren't we doing that on United Hour? Just create some tweets. Everyone will love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, as you say, I, I'm, not, I'm not the fan of clickbait, but yeah, if you want to come and become our clickbait grandmaster, <laughs> get, get to it. Get believe to it. it. Because it's so easy to believe right now. It's so easy. That's to actually believe. one of my shocking things that everybody just laps up everything that happens to be posted on Twitter. Like, the amount of things I get sent by people, because oh, what so do you think easy about to believe, this? Though. That's the thing, isn't and it? And I'm like, it's look, so why easy. would you even believe this? It comes from some random account. That has like even like, you know we're not actually great at social media, yeah. Uh, we have like few thousand followers. And, like somebody sends me something from somebody with like two hundred followers. Look, look what this guy's saying. I'm like, why would you even send me that? Who the hell is this guy? It's just like it's just nonsense. Like even if it's like comes from an actual journalist, like more than fifty percent of the time, I think it's probably nonsense. So I don't know why people lap up every little thing because they read ultimately, online. Ultimately, but... we are we are in the 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 murk. And the di- we are in such dire straits that it's these things are so easy to believe. And obviously, there is things going wrong at the club. The club isn't all right because otherwise this wouldn't be happening. There is lots of things going wrong at the club. And if you tweet something that it's it's going to get lapped up because there is obviously a lot going wrong. I don't think as 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 bantery of Arsenal have been for however long. I don't even think Arsenal have reached this level of. He's, he's gone past banter now to people just... I watched the I watched our game with the Leeds fan. He didn't even take the piss no, out. No, I think Arsenal just... did actually have an even worse start to the season yeah, last they, season. They lost their first we are. Three. Didn't they lose their first yeah. three games? Lose, yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll join them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, it's easy. It's, it is very hard to see a way out of anything other than just, like, finishing mid-table right now. Uh, potentially as a high water mark. If we get yeah. if we get the right if we get the right players but, in, right? It's... If he gets if these players book up their ideas, then we can. But yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's just yeah. No, as we say, Arsenal are the example. They had an awful start to last season. They still went pretty close to top four. They did ultimately mess it up at the end, but they were pretty close to it. So yeah, the season is not gone at all. If we still bring in a two, hopefully three, like quality players, like the season oh. is not a write off yet. 
I, I, I mean, think fours are probably asking a bit much by this a point. Forward and a right back, and I, we need a goalkeeper as well. So that's five players. I five was, players in three weeks. I was worried that optimistic Nick had left, but he's back. He's back. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We're only two games we're in. Back. We're only two games in. Like, if we can look, if De Jong comes, if Rabio comes, get some kind of striker. Some listen, kind our of season can still win. at the moment. God, oh, we're gonna get Cardi flipping heck. I'm excited it's, for the dressing room with uh, Rabio and Cardi. A bunch Icardi. of dicks, basically. <laughs> How can you get Arnautovic in too? No. no, at least that one's a write-off now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, I'm not even going to ask for your predictions from the Liverpool game because, yeah, let's just forget Seven about nil. predictions. <laughs> but yeah, we're basically not looking forward to it whatsoever. Uh, look, w- but whatever happens, we will be back after that game. You will hear us. You will hear our thoughts. Uh, you know, we-, we did actually have quite a few comments on Red Cafe this week saying we've been too negative. I think most people are normally used to me finding the silver lining somewhere, bringing some kind of optimism. So yeah, I think people have been a bit surprised that it's it's uh, quite downhearted all the way. Mm, I think, but, I think yeah, but again, some... it's worth reiterating that it's mainly our ire is pretty much all focused on the players and and the owners, the players the and the top, board, the top the, and the board. Yeah. I think yeah. I feel like we're all behind I, Ten Hag. Yeah, I, I can't even bring myself to care about things he's messed up because you hired a manager who has a very specific style that he wants to implement, and I'm sure he was clear about that when they interviewed him, and then you were transfer window has been so far below what needed to be done that I can't how can I blame him when it's obvious he's been let down exactly uh, so yeah I think that's probably where we'll finish off today before we leave you I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors Manscaped head over to manscaped.com use the code UnitedHour20 to get a discount there they've got all sorts of different things on there uh, check out their kind of tools which is the lawnmower 4.0 body groomer weed whacker nose and hair trimmer they've got the, the plow face razor there's a, there's some stuff over there i don't know about myself actually and uh again like i say we'll have to go and hit up manscape because yeah we're overdue getting some new merch from them uh they've also got all sorts of kind of what they call the formulations crop preserver which is their deodorant body wash shampoo all sorts in over there so yeah head over to manscape.com the code united hour 20 and see what you can find there uh do also just want to give the usual shout out to check us out on twitter uh, which is our main social media we are also on facebook and instagram where we post a bit over there and yeah big thanks as always to our patreon subscribers who keep supporting us out there we will get some competition and some merch out for you guys pretty soon as well uh but yeah i think that's probably it for now and we will see you back after the liverpool game next week cheers guys have a good one united hour is part of the sports social network Edited by Imran Lahair, and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.